Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, everybody. Uh, good morning. Good morning, everybody tuning in online, by the way. This is the first Sunday of the summer. June is here. You might be out of town with friends or family near and far. Thank you for tuning in. But if you're local, if you're, if you're in the area, we would love for you to join us. All these beautiful people here today. Good morning. Welcome, welcome. We have had a great, great kickoff to the summer already with what? Summer of Impact. Woo! Okay, you Summer of Impact. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Hey, make sure we're just getting started. Check out your catalog. Sign up for all the events that are happening. We had a great uh, Saturday serve yesterday. It's been a great week of serving and loving our community. But I am. I am pumped up about this summer. Uh, Next Sunday, kickoff of At the Movies. Then there's Father's Day. We got the Beach Baptism next week. We got Vacation Bible School. So many exciting things. So be a part of it. All we can do is provide the opportunity, but it's up to you to, to jump in and get involved. Uh, But as Scott said, we're wrapping up today the series that we've been in on the 23rd Psalm. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope it's been powerful and meaningful and life-changing as always as we dig into God's Word. So today, we are going to be talking about living in victory over fear, uh, specifically fear of the future. Now, a lot of people, and you know, this might describe you, I'm not sure, you know, have a hard time kind of, you know, enjoying today because you spend so much time kind of being anxious and worrying about tomorrow. Now, why is that? Why do we do that? Well, because of the world in which we live in, because, you know, we're all, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and yet David, as he concludes this psalm, it becomes very obvious that he is not worried. Psalm 23, verse 6, here it is, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So no anxiety, no fear, no worry, no fear of the future, nothing. So where, where in the world does that type of confidence come from, that lack of fear? Well, if you're a believer today, there are at least three reasons that we can see from this verse why you don't need to fear the future. Okay, where you can march confidently into tomorrow. Number one, if you're taking notes, because God is watching over me. Because God is watching over me. David says, surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's talk about goodness for, uh, for, for, for starts here. Um, what does he mean by that? Surely goodness will follow. I mean, obviously, uh, David had some disappointments in his life. For those of you that are reading through the Bible with us this year, uh, we're in 2 Samuel right now, but we've read a lot about David, and we've seen a lot of the disappointments that he's had. So not everything good, you know, happened to him. So he's not saying, well, only good things are going to happen to you. That's not true, right? Bad things happen to good people. But he is saying that goodness will follow Goodness will come out of whatever happens, even the bad, the evil, the painful. God has this miraculous ability to ensure that good will come out of it. Uh, Romans 8, 28, the great promise that God has given uh, to all believers. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, that's not a promise for everyone, by the way. All things don't work together for good for everybody in the world. Things work together for bad for people who are not trying to follow God, not on his path for their life. But if you're a believer, 
The Bible says that all things are working together for good. Not all things are good, but they're working together for it. That's what he means when it says, goodness will follow. There is no difficulty, dilemma, defeat, disaster in your life, in the life of a Christian, that ultimately God can't bring some good out of it. But let's be honest. Sometimes it's difficult to see that. You know, when you're going through the tragedy, the difficulty itself, there are times when you don't feel like God is good. You know, sometimes you feel like God's goodness is is hidden from you. I mean, even Jesus on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why? And we go through those why moments in life where we don't see God's goodness yet. It's only later, sometimes even years later, looking back, that we can see how God did work to things together for my good. You know, think about the Apostle Paul for a moment. You know, we know from Scripture that he was falsely in prison in Rome. I mean, it was a, a hard, hard, difficult season. I mean, you know, being in prison, was that, was that good? Of course not, you know? But listen to this. While he was there, he happened to write some letters uh, that we now call most of the New Testament. Goodness followed his imprisonment. And so even today, we're still benefiting from the Apostle Paul's pain and hardship. Goodness follows because God is watching over me. Number two, I can face the future with confidence and without fear because grace is working in me. Grace is working in me. David says, surely mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy, okay? You know, in Isaiah 60, verse 10, Um, talking to the children of Israel, God says this, for though I have destroyed you in my anger, I will now have mercy on you through my grace. Mercy on you through my grace. Now, what is grace? This is kind of an old school acrostic, and some of you are familiar with this. Maybe this is new for some of you, but I want you to write this down. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, it is all that our loving God is able to do for us because of Jesus. Grace is the fact that God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. Aren't you glad about that? That God gives you what you need, not what you deserve? So then what is mercy? So mercy is grace in action. Grace in action. Why do you need mercy? Well, Because we're imperfect. You know, we stumble, we fall, we mess up, we blow it, we make mistakes. In the future, we're going to sin. So in the future, you not only need God's goodness following after you, you need his mercy. You need his forgiveness, his pardon, his healing. You know, when you really understand God's grace and his mercy, that our God isn't out there trying to get even with you, okay, You know, God doesn't get even for things that have already been paid for on the cross. If you've given your life to Jesus, Jesus has taken the penalty. He has paid the price for everything you've ever done wrong or ever will will do wrong on the cross. He's paid for it all so that you don't have to. That's grace and mercy. And so when you understand that, man, you've got nothing to fear. You don't have to fear the future. 
Psalm 103 uh, is such a beautiful passage. And I, I'm going to read probably more than I usually normally read, but I want you to listen to this. This is so beautiful. These are some of the, the benefits, the blessings of God's grace and mercy in our lives. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. We need to remember this. He says, don't forget He forgives all my sin. In fact, you might even circle these this morning as I read them. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my disease. He redeems me from death, crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him, listen to this, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. That, my friends, is the goodness of God. When you understand God's mercy, that God is not just being good to you, but he's being merciful to us in handling our mistakes, our failure, our sin, then you don't have to fear the future. Mercy means that when I'm going through a tough time, even one that I brought on myself, God is still there for me. Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, grace. There we will receive his what? Mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. It's like God's got this 24-hour drop-in service. Any time or day of night, you can cry out to him for help. Mercy, like goodness, it says, follows us in life. Those of you who have, uh, you know, toddlers, maybe who've just now started walking, you might picture this in your mind. You know, you're, as a parent, you're always, you know, following behind them, right? Picking up after them, picking up their messes, you know, constantly. Well, picture that. God is doing that for you. It's as though he's following you, picking up all the stuff of your life, putting it back together, working it all out, taking care of all the messes. That's mercy. But it's more than just that. You know, you do a little word study there and you find out that the word follow, you know, goodness and mercy shall follow you. In Hebrew, that word is actually a hunting term. And it means to to pursue, to track you down. Okay? So the pro- is, is as though David is saying, the promise is that the good shepherd, he is going to pursue you with loving kindness. He is going to track you down and flood your life with goodness and mercy. And he says, all the days of my life, you know, not some days, all days. You know, God doesn't turn off his his goodness and mercy. He doesn't turn them off and on. He doesn't treat you good on one day and then bad on another day. All the days of my life, I'll have God's goodness and his mercy. Listen, the the truth is, we're all going to experience bad days in life, hard days. You know, and, and, 
and actually many different kinds of days. There's going to be times of great joy and then sadness and, you know, depression and loneliness. And it's, it's all of it. And I think sometimes that's why, you know, we have this fear, this worry about the future. You know, we see the world in which we live in and we're, we're anxious and we're worried and we fear it. But my point is, if you've given your life to Christ, you will never face a day without the goodness and mercy of God. He'll be there with you all the time. Now, some days you might not feel it. Some days it might be hard to see. But he says, surely, certainly, without a doubt, it's there. He's there, even in the tough times. You know, those of you who are, who are married or have children, you know, one day, you or your spouse are going to die. One day, your kids are going to die. I had a funeral this past week. You know, and you're going to have to face life without your spouse, without your kids. But surely, certainly, God's goodness and mercy will still be there with you. So how can we be sure? How do we know that? Well, because God doesn't lie. He cannot be inconsistent. He cannot tell an untruth. He never changes. He never breaks a promise. If it says, if he says, surely goodness and mercy will be with you all the days of your life, then they will. But we get so worked up, don't we? So worried about the future. And we start what ifing, right? What if this happens? What if that? Uh, you know, what if? There is no what if in the Bible. It says, surely, Christians go into the future. We face the future, not with a question mark, but with an exclamation point. God will be with you no matter what happens. He will help you out. God's goodness will provide and protect. God's mercy will pardon and forgive. God's goodness will supply. God's mercy will soothe. God's goodness will help me. God's mercy can heal me. Now, this is a psalm, as we come to the end, you know, this has been a psalm about shepherding. I've probably read and, and heard and listened to and learned about more about sheep and shepherds in my entire life. But he says, the Lord is my, what? Shepherd. So you lead sheep, right? But you drive cattle. All of you Yellowstone fans, right? You know what I'm talking about. Long, you know, you drive cattle. Now, the difference is that sheep are typically led from the front. You know, the shepherd is out front, out, out in front of the flock. He leads and they follow. Cows, are cattle, is driven from behind, keeping them moving. You know, now again, if you were to go to the Middle East and you'd see a shepherd leading the flock of sheep, you'll see the shepherd out in front. And typically, you'd see one or two, anybody know, sheepdogs. Right, at the rear, kind of circling around, keeping them in line. So it's almost as though, picture this in your mind, that goodness and mercy are like God's divine sheepdogs. Okay? That they are following. They are keeping us in line, keeping us safe so that we don't get lost. And once you are in God's flock, you don't get out of it. Because mercy and goodness will keep you in. And listen, because of that, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. So, God is watching over me. You know, I don't have to be afraid because of his goodness. His grace is working in me, right? 
mercy. And then number three, I can face the future with confidence, without fear, because heaven is waiting for me. Because heaven is waiting for me. He says, I love this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, that right there, that's one of the most important connections that you find in the Bible. Because it connects yesterday and today with tomorrow. And God says, man, I have got this great life planned for you. I do. It's a life of joy and fullness and abundance and goodness and mercy are going to follow you through it. But guess what? Hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. That's not the end. I've got something else for you. David is saying, we're going to heaven. Jesus saves the best for last. With God, it just keeps getting better and better. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, listen to this. For we know that when this earthly tent that we live in is taken down, and in parentheses it says, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Let me ask you, how long is forever? How long is forever going to last? Forever, right? It's not a, not a trick question. Forever. Now, someday, your earthly body is going to die and decay, but guess what? You are not. Your soul will not. Your body, this earthly tent, is going to come to an end, but that, my friends, is not the end of you. You will live forever in one of two places, either heaven or hell. They're real places. Your body is going to die, but you, your soul, is not going to die. We were made to last forever. Now, why is it that Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, should be the most confident people on the planet about the future? 2 Corinthians 5, let's go back to that again now, verses 6 through 8. Listen to this. So we are always what? What's the word? Confident. We're always confident. Even though we know that as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing. In other words, we walk by faith. We live by faith. Yes, we are, here it is again, fully confident. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies. Amen? Aren't you ready? You know, don't you get tired? We would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Listen up. Death for the Christian is just a transfer. It's just a promotion. It's on to better things. It, it's no more problems. But, but let me just speak the truth here for a moment this morning. Let me tell it, tell it to you like it is. You are not ready to live until you are prepared to die. Only a fool a fool would go through all this life, go through all of life here on earth totally and completely unprepared for something that you know is going to happen, something that everybody knows is going to happen. You are going to die. You are. You know, I, sometimes I, I, I jokingly say the death rate in our country, it still hovers right around 100%. Okay, everybody's dying. Now, 
If you have personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you got nothing to fear. You are going to heaven. Now, what is heaven going to be like? Well, you're going to be rewarded for your faithfulness to God and your obedience to Jesus. One day, he will either call you home or he will come again. The trumpet will sound, the sky will split, and he will come in all of his glory. And he will call us home, and we will see him face to face. We are going to be reunited with loved ones who've gone on before us. We will be reassigned work to do that, that you're going to enjoy, that you'll never get tired of or frustrated with, that you'll love. You know, some people think when they get to heaven, you're going to be given this white sheet, you know, like a robe and uh, a harp, and you're going to be sitting on a cloud strumming it all day. You're going to be an angel. Listen, that's wrong. That's false. That's bad theology. You don't become an angel. Your loved ones are not an angel. I cannot think of anything worse than sitting on a cloud strumming a harp all day. That would be hell to me. Hell. Okay? Listen, no, 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 no. God's going to give you stuff to do. Things to do that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to love. Think about it like this. I mean, think about the planet Earth and all the fun and exciting things that you've either experienced or that you wish you could. And yet... This is imperfect. It is. I mean, you know, think about, you know, this is the God who created windsurfing and snowboarding and the Grand Canyon and, and mountains and rivers and oceans and all the fun. Listen, you're going to get to do all of that with no sprained ankles and no back that falls out. That's exciting. I can't wait till we get there. Listen, you are going to be released from pain, from sorrow, from suffering, from depression, from fear. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Does that not make you homesick just a little bit? Listen, so who is this place made for? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Who is it made for? Let me tell you, it's not made for everybody. It's not. That is the truth. Now, everyone has access to it. Everyone can accept it, but you have to. It's only made for people who have been born again through faith in Christ. 1 Peter 1, listen to this. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed to you on the last day for all to see. Listen. Earth, this side of eternity, it's just the warm-up act. That's all it is. This is not the big show. Now, you might spend 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe years here on this earth, but you're going to spend millions upon millions of years in eternity, heaven or hell. This is not the big show. It's the opening act. And yet the problem is that a lot of people, even some Christians, Act like this is all there is to life. What you're experiencing here and now. No, this is preparation for where you're going to spend all eternity. 1 Peter 2.11, listen to this. 
dear friends, I warn you as, he says, temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. He says, you're just passing through. This is not your home. Now, we ought to be living for Jesus, and we ought to be loving people and serving our world, lifting up Christ. But he says, you are just a temporary resident here, so start acting like it. Don't don't live as though everything that matters is what's happening here and now. Do not, he says, buy into the world system or the world solutions. Stop living on on a superficial level. Live in light of eternity. Realize you're not going to be here forever. And yet we waste our lives trying to get a bunch of stuff. You know, we're always just trying to get stuff that we're not going to keep anyway. It's all on loan. It is. It's just on loan. Now, we get to use it, and if we're believers, we get to leverage it all while we're here on the earth for the kingdom. But then guess what? Somebody else gets all your stuff. And then... It's up to them. He's saying, hey, if you're a believer, live in light of eternity. But our focus seems to be, for our whole lives, just acquiring, accumulating, getting, and then we have a lot more to ensure and worry about and be fearful of. You know, it's as though our focus has become making money. You know, the American dream, as if that's the most important thing in life. One day you're going to die and you're not going to have any of it anymore. And so what I'm saying is don't invest your life simply, don't have the mindset that you're just investing your life in stuff and in things that will not outlast it. Getting things is not the goal of life. Again, all of it, it's nothing more than a tool to be leveraged for the kingdom and a test of your character. This side of eternity is just preparation for the next. Now, does everybody go to heaven? No. Everybody does not. How do you know? How do you know if you're going to heaven? You know, if you were to die tonight, walk out of this church, again, your next breath, it is a gift from God. You're not guaranteed it. If you were to die today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? I don't know about you, but again, only a fool goes through this this side of life not prepared for something you know is going to happen. Now, you can walk out of here today being being assured, knowing for a fact that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. Listen, I don't have an ounce of doubt in my mind where I'm going when I die. And it's not because of who I am, what I've done, or because I deserve it. But it's because I've done what the Bible has told me to do. John 10, 27 and 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. How do I know I'm going to heaven? Two things. Jesus said, my sheep listen to me and they follow follow me. Are you doing that? Are you listening to what God says to do with your life? Are you following Jesus? So my question is, is he your shepherd and your savior? Now if you say yes 
Yes, I am, I'm listening to God. I've asked his son Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for his sheep and for me. I've asked him to be my shepherd, to be my savior, to be my Lord. I've humbled my, myself. I've bowed the knee, and I've asked him to be my savior and my Lord. If you have done that, then you can say with absolute confidence, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. Not I might, not I wonder, not I hope. I know I'm going to heaven because I've done what God's asked me to do. Let me ask you, when, when you think about the future, when you face the future, what do you see? I mean, do you look at it with eyes of doubt, eyes of fears, you know, eyes of cynicism, always expecting the worst? So you got two choices in life. You can do that. You can either face the future with you know, negative thoughts, fear, expecting the worst, or, or you can face the future expecting and knowing that God is with you and that his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It is amazing how much better your life will get when you start to actively look for the mercy of God and the goodness of God in all of life. It'll change your life radically. You know, we're wrapping up this series today on the 23rd Psalm. So what's the bottom line been these seven weeks? What have we learned? Here's what I think we've learned. I hope we've learned. We've seen how much God loves you. We've seen how much he cares for you, how he says, I want to be your shepherd. If I could sum up this series in one sentence, it would be this. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need. You don't need anything else. If you know the shepherd, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear poverty because the Lord is your shepherd. He will give you everything you need. You don't need to fear loneliness because he is with you. You don't need to fear mistakes because he will guide you onto the right path. You don't need to fear failure because he will restore your soul. You don't need to fear the future because his goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life. You don't even need to fear death because you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is beneath you in green pastures. He is beside you in the still waters. He is with you in the valley. He is around you in the presence of your enemies. He is upon you, anointing your head with oil. He is leading you onto the right path. He is behind you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. My friends, he is even beyond you in heaven. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What else do you want? What else do you need? my friend. That's what the Lord does. The good shepherd provides protection, provision, peace, providence, presence, and paradise. That covers it all. What do you have left to fear? We ought to be the most confident people. Stop talking about how bad this world is. Our God is with you. And he wants you to reach out to people and share that good news with everybody. When the, when the world is the darkest it is, the light shines the brightest. Let's be that light. Let me read Psalm 23 for one last time in its entirety. And I want these words to sink in. And maybe God is calling you home right now. Calling you to be his follower. You're not here by accident today. You're not here by mistake. 
Maybe your next step is to bow the knee and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. Maybe your next step is what we saw on those screens, to get baptized, to go public with your faith. Jesus did it. He commands it. What are you waiting on? And if you're not doing it, then he's not your Lord. That's just as, I mean, there's no other way to say it. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, that entire psalm loses everything. It loses all of its power, all of its promise, all of its punch. Everything we've talked about over the last seven weeks, it loses it all without one very important word. The very personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? He can be today. If you will simply humbly bow the knee and ask the good shepherd, Jesus, who laid down his life for you to be yours, to be your savior, to save you from your sin, and to be your Lord. You're gonna follow him for the rest of your life. If you do that, all of these promises are yours. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this series. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus, the good shepherd. And God, I know there are people here today, there are people maybe watching this online, and you know, each, each and every week we've talked about just how good you are and how loving you are and how you provide all of this as our shepherd. And yet, it's not for everyone. Only those who ask the good shepherd to be theirs. Listen, you can have that today, have all of this and so much more. Pour your heart out to God right now in a prayer. Just make it simple. Just he knows your heart. Just say something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I do admit it. I have, you know, I've lived my life uh, away from you. I've gone off the path. I, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And I know one day I will face you. You know, regardless of what I, how I act or how, you know, the uh, arguing with other people, I know that I know in my heart that one day this is not all there is and I will face you in eternity and I know that I'm not prepared for that, God. And so right now, I ask Jesus to be my Savior. I am a sinner. I know that he lived a perfect life. I know, I believe, God, that he went to the cross for me. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And for the rest of my life, God, I just want to follow Jesus. 
I want to follow him. And I look forward to the day, God, when you will welcome me home and I will see you face to face. We love you, Father, and I pray these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.